Good day, good night, and welcome to a brand new edition of Off Dude Works. The first one of 2015, and to celebrate that, we have a jam-packed show today. To start off, we are going to talk about Laurent Simon, the brand new defender for the Montreal Impact, a uh, designated player for the Montreal Impact, a, a second one after uh, Piatti, Nacho Piatti, and we're going to talk about as well the other new players, Romero Williams, who was the first super draft pick for the Montreal Impact in the third position of that super draft. We're going to talk about Barakari Soumare. We're going to have like a profile of all the new players. We're going to talk about the player that left, Issei. We're going to go through the roster as well to see where our strengths are. One by one, every player that is current, currently signed to the club is going to take a... Uh, not a beating, but we're going to talk about him today and see if good enough, not good enough, or should we keep him? We don't really have a choice. It's going to the end of the transfer window right now, next couple of weeks, months. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. So we're going to take a uh, make a rundown of the actual roster. We're going to talk about Enzo Conchina, the new assistant coach for the Montreal Impact, about... Some transfer rumors that were out last week. Some crazy rumors that apparently, if you're taking the words of the player, are not true. And you have no clue who the guy that put that rumor out there was. So we're going to talk about that. And to finish off the show, our first preview of the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal game. To put the game in context, we're going to have today a history of Pachuca. So we're going to listen to the Himno del Pachuca and going through the history of how that club was created in 1901 in Mexico and how that club fared off in their history in the different leagues they played in and in the different continental championships or cup that they participated in over the years. So we're going to talk about that. And a very interesting history, by the way, the way it started very reminiscent of the early association football club in England, London, and all Liverpool. It's really similar the way it started. Then those clubs are going to talk about that at the end of the show too. So, as you can tell, very busy show. So we'll take a small quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the brand new designated player for the Montreal Du moins c'est ce qu'ils disent, ils parlent trop C'est pourquoi tes oreilles sifflent, à qui la faute C'est la faute à autrui, hein, c'est les autres Toi tu n'as qu'une seule envie Tu aimerais faire the song of Belgium for the World Cup that was in Brazil last summer and uh, the tie-in with the show right now is because the player that Montreal Impact signed this week, Laurent Simon, is Belgium first of all and he actually played for his country in the World Cup and you can't say that too often for a player that's been signed in Major League Soccer and for once it's for Montreal. Nice. So, I'm so happy about it. Surprised that Montreal signed ADP as a defender. Surprised that the league allowed it, because a couple years ago, the league was always denying clubs trying to get defender uh, DP. Just has Toronto. It happened many times over there. So, I was really surprised about that, but happy in a way. And then I got to discover the story of Laurent Simon and the real reason behind his move from uh, the Belgium First League, from the Standard de Liège to the Montreal Impact and North America and Montreal, especially because of our healthcare system and the way we have some programs to take care of his young daughter. Because yes, unfortunately, Laurent Simon is the father of a young daughter who has autism. And the way that he treats autism in Belgium 
the way that they treat her case and the way it takes forever and they don't have the resources that we do have here in North America and the difference of uh, cost and lifestyle and everything surrounding the well-being of his daughter needed to be changed and he thought Montreal was the perfect fit and eventually they got to talk with the club and they got into an agreement and Racima is now a new designated player defender for the Montreal Impact. It's going to be really interesting to see how he fares in Major League Soccer. He's not the tallest, five foot eleven and a half. He's 29 years old. Very important fact. Very happy about that. So his birthday is August 5th. So uh, put an X on your season ticket calendar on August 5th. Remember, it's Laurent Simon's birthday. Let's talk about his club career. Talk about how uh, he played for five different club, one on loan, but five different club. His career started in 2004 when he was 19 years old with the club Charleroi in Belgium. 85 games played for him. Then he played a total in his entire career for the Belgium national team. He played nine games, which is not too shabby. One game in 2014 with the club, uh, the Belgium, the Red Devils. He started with Charleroi, like I was saying, in 2008. He was transferred from Charleroi to Club Bruges from 2008 to 2010 with 16 games played in those two years. Not necessarily the, the most impressive resume, you can say, but he had some uh, uh, injury difficulty during those two years. Then he was sent on loan to a, a Norwegian team, the Korsgrik. I uh, played 34 games there, two goals, uh, not too shabby in uh, one season from 2009-2010, and that got him his biggest contract in his career with the most prestigious club one of the most prestigious clubs in the Belgian First League, the Standard de Liège. Eric Chalois, probably the most famous Montrealer who liked that club. Well, love clubs around the world. Probably one of the most famous, like I was saying, Belgium club. And he played 131 games from 2010 to 2014. Well, 2015, because he's actually finishing right now. So 2015 does count in it. 131 caps, you could say, with the Standard. Four goals, but let's not forget he's a defender. He's not there to score goals. He's there to prevent teams from scoring. And he played with the Belgium U21. And like I was saying, with the Belgium national team since 2010 to this day with nine caps. I don't know if he'll ever get called back to the Belgium national team, to be honest, with playing in Major League Soccer. But that's something that's going to be interesting to follow up with, too. So with the whole story of why he comes here, the determination in him and his wife to have the well-being of his daughter in mind, the way they accommodated him, he's going to give it all for the club. He's going to be, I think he's captain material looking forward. I think he's going to be our centerpiece in the defense. He's going to be the stone that we need there. Uh, no pun intended with a last name called like Sima, but... He's going to be the cornerstone of that defense. He's going to be the most important piece to solidify everything. And yes, I keep on doing puns about rocks. I am so sorry. Uh, it's hard. I just get my heart caught between a, hawk, a rock and a hard place. Uh, I apologize, people. But the story behind it is just so amazing. It's heartwarming. And it gives you... Another meaning to the world of sports, when sports can benefit life and life condition for yourself and your family, you're going to be so happy. You're going to contribute to the team like never before. So for me, La Racima, after knowing the whole full story, I am 100% happy. And welcome to the club, my friend. Bienvenue. Another reason why I'm happy is to get finally Another French-speaking international player to the Montreal Impact. One of the only clubs in Major League Soccer. Well, the only one that's in a francophone environment. And we never really take advantage of that by signing other 
players from around the world that would probably don't want to go anywhere else but Montreal. We didn't really do that. And now with the signing of La Racima, it's like the first one of those type of signings. So who knows? It might be the first of many. And that would be really interesting. Another, wasn't first of many, but another player that the Montreal back didn't really sign it, but they picked him up on the draft and then they signed him. Talking about Bakary Soumare, who was selected by the Montreal Impact on the MLS re-entry draft part two as the first pick. And Bakary Soumare, he was drafted second overall by the Chicago Fire in the 2007 MLS Super Draft. After appearing on a substitute bench several times, Soumare made his debut coming off for Brian Plotkin for Chicago in a 0-0 draw against Real Salt Lake on May 27, 2007. And if you're a follower of the show, you know that May 27th is a very important date for Off The Woodworks, but more and more for uh, the host myself. You probably know why if you listen to the show. July 1st, 2007, Sumari received a straight red card for violent contact in a 0-0 draw against the Colorado Rapids. Something to remember, people. Even at a young age, the guy had character. Can be good, but it can be bad depending on how he controls himself. But that's a long time ago. He since established himself in the first team during the 2008 season. Sumare scored a known goal against the team, which he played his first game against in a one-round draw on the opening game of the season. Despite this, he was later nominated for the MLS Defender of the Year Award. Very interesting. Alongside Jimmy Conrad of Kick TV fame and eventual winner Chad Marshall. On May 31st, 2009, Sumari's aggressive on the field play continues as he received a red card after a second book of ball offense in a 3 0 loss against Dallas. In August 2009, Sumari was fined for being involved in a fight with manager Dennis Hamlet. Yes, you read that right. During the halftime interval of their game against the Houston Dynamo. He had a brief stint in France starting in August 2009. Soumaré joined the French club US, uh, US Boulogne on a four-year contract for a reported fee of $2,200,000. Soumaré made his debut for the club on August 19th, 2009 in a 2-0 loss against League One champion Bordeaux. On March 20th, Soumaré, 2010 that time, Soumaré received a straight red card, again, the guy might be reckless, in a 3-0 loss against Paris Saint-Germain. At the end of the season, Boulogne was relegated to Ligue 2, while Soumaré was promoted as captain ahead of the new season. Soumaré scored his first goal of his career in a 1-0 win over Reims on a 29th, or October 29th, 2010. His second came on his last game of the season in a 3-2 win over Tour on April 22nd. A clause in his contract allowed him to go on a loan when Boulogne got relegated. U.S. Boulogne loaned Soumaré out for a fee of 500,000 euros. In total, Soumaré made 65 league appearances for Boulogne. Now being transferred in January 2012, Soumaré signed for German club Karlsruher. SC on loan until the end of the 2011-2012 season. Having previously linked with uh, Bundesliga 2 side Fortuna Düsseldorf, where uh, Samuel Piat used to play, and Ilgo Sado 4, Soumaré made his debut on February 5th in a 2-1 win over... <laughs> yes, that's the name of the team. I did not mispronounce it. Whatever. However, his season got cut short due to an injury. The club was relegated to... Fußball Liga or the third division in Germany. Going back to America in the summer of 2012 with uh, going back with the allocation process, the famous MLS allocation process that we will explain after this. We had a question on Twitter. We will answer that question of how does the allocation process work. We will answer that after this profile of Sumare. I thought it was important reading it uh, that people know his history and know what to expect from him this season. Already halfway through, we can see that he might be reckless. We don't know if eventually it change. We're going there. But Sumari returned to MLS with the Philly Union when he signed for that one June 26, 2012. 
through that allocation process. And funny thing is, Philly had to trade with the Vancouver Whitecaps to get the right of Sumare. And uh, Bakari made his debut, or Baki, as he likes to be called. Baki made his first return in MLS after leaving Chicago with the Philly in a 3-1 loss against his former club against Chicago in August 13. In September, he had exploratory follow-up to a major knee surgery he underwent in April 2012. So again, his knee problems come to play, and that's a mere three years ago. So that could be in a problem looking into the future. Need to keep in the back of your mind when you see Sumare play, especially if he plays on the big O on that hard turf. Return to Chicago Fire after playing back-to-back game against his whole club, Philly traded Soup Baki back to Chicago on May 23rd, 2013, in exchange for the most famous player in the history of MLS, Mr. Al Location, and a second-round pick in the 2015-2014 MLS Super Draft last year. And uh, Sumare had asked the union front office for a trade because he was not happy of his playing time in Philly, and that got him with the Chicago. And this year, another hard season for him for Chicago did not be did not go as successfully as he thought it was. So because of his second stint in Chicago was not as successful as his first, uh, the club just declined his contract for 2015. At that conclusion of the 2015-14 season, Sumare entered the 2014 MLS re-entry draft and was selected by the Montreal Impact in Stage 2. He officially signed with the Impact on January 6th, 2014. And that is, my friends, the profile of Baki Sumare. So, uh, with everything you hear everywhere, how people are happy and all that, it's going to be interesting to see how he fares off uh, on that pitch or on that league in North America well, or more in Montreal we could say because he's been in North America for a long time I'm not that happy I'm not surprised about that pick a couple weeks ago but I'm not happy at all The again the message we received from Chicago are not that encouraging towards Baki Sumare he's going to be a mix of a Rivas a Ferrari with more recklessness so he might not be as injured all the time as the Rivas was. He's going to play more than two games in two years. But he might cost us a game in the most inopportune time. So always keep that in the back of your mind when talking about Baki Sumare uh, over the last couple of years. Injury problems. A recklessness problem on the pitch. Moment of brilliance. I'll give him that, that he can do it. On a defense sometimes, but consistency has been an issue with his play. So going forward, it will be interesting to see Baki Sumare play for the Montreal Impact. Another couple of players that are back, not back, but that have been drafted by the Montreal Impact. We're going to start by the first draft pick, Romario Williams, which we will have an interview with Romario in a couple minutes. Romario Williams, first choice, a Jamaican Striker, very interesting. Donny Toya, a player we got a couple of weeks ago, might be interesting as well. We'll go through the roster after the break as well, after the Romario interview. But the drafting of the Montreal Impact were in the first round, Romario Williams. In round two, again, Montreal Impact had the third draft pick in the first round. In the second round, Montreal had no pick, so they didn't pick anybody in the second round. But when you go to the third round, Montreal Impact had a pair of pick. They picked Cameron Porter in the third draft pick in round three, 45th pick overall. A couple of picks later, the Montreal Impact did pick another player. That his name is, you know, one second and Cameron Porter and Cameron Iwasa. So the Cameron brothers, brother from another mother. No, because it's just a first name dummy. I know, but Cameron Porter and Cameron Iwasa, both in the third round, will uh, be interesting to uh, Montreal Impact. 
and they're all forwards. So Montreal Pack are bringing a lot of young forwards, and probably a lot of them will play in FC Montreal. Hopefully not all of them. Speaking about young forwards, Anthony Jackson Hamel uh, had a surgery over the last couple of days. A successful surgery for a sports hernia uh, today in Philly. The uh, recoup period is about about six weeks, so expect him to be maybe a little late for the first team. Maybe expect him to play to be assigned to FC Montréal when he comes back to rehab and maybe be able to get more playing time and get in shape there before he goes back to the first club. We'll see. Uh, but that doesn't look good. He's going to miss the beginning of the training cap. And he was going to fight for a spot with the team. And now it's going to be even harder for Anthony Jackson and Mal. So good luck with your rehab, buddy. And hopefully you'll get back on the pitch soon. Remember Romario Williams? We just talked about first draft pick of the MLS Super Draft for the Montreal Impact. Third overall. Well, he had this to say to uh, MLS Soccer about his uh, draft pick. So let's just listen to Romario Williams. What's going through your head right now? Uh, I'm, I'm just ecstatic at the moment. I mean, words can't explain the, the way I feel right now. Uh, I just want to thank thank God for providing me with this incredible opportunity. and um, I'm just excited to get to Montreal and get to work. And uh, Montreal is a great city, and I'm just excited to go and get to work and have a wonderful start to my career there and make it a good one for the fans. And when you look at the league and you look at Montreal specifically, where do you see that you're going to fit in and what you're going to succeed with? Uh, I mean, that's up to the coaching staff. The coaching staff decides wherever they want to play me. And I'm, as I said, I'm just excited to get to work. And I mean, whichever position they put me into play, I'll be just as excited and just as ready to go. And we have to ask you a wild card question. What would be your superpower if you could have one superpower? Curveball. <laughs> I wish I could fly. There you go. No. People say you can. I wish. <laughs> that's 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 a good compliment coming from them. Now, it's the fan question segment of Off the Woodworks. I have one very deep and disturbing question, to be honest, and I will answer it after I I just say those two comments I received on Twitter from James Simono at James Simono. The Montreal Impact needs a tall forward, good in the air, and a quality left back with a good left foot. I can't really disagree with that. Uh, the Ghost Smoker on Twitter, Luc Vaudry. Montreal Impact needs a proven striker and a quality left back. I don't know if you're uh, seeing a trend there, people, but uh, I think the fans have spoken. The Montreal Impact need a left back and a striker, and we can't really disagree with that. And now, the question that rattled me and uh, prompted me to do a lot of research and find you the best way to explain to you what is the answer to his question and... The question goes as follows. First of all, it's from Rick Moranis at Ethan Reberg on Twitter. What does it actually mean to have the top spot in allocation? Hashtag Sasha. Hashtag Bobby Wood. Rick, my friend Rick. Buddy. Bro. My friend. That's a hell of a question. What does it actually mean to have top spot in allocation and the allocation ranking? What the fuck is the allocation you're going to say? Yeah, exactly. So, we're going to give you this right now on After What Works to help you explain the allocation. This is off an article find on SB Nation, uh, the Houston Dynamo site of SB Nation called Dynamo Theory. It's their section called MLS 101. If you want to follow while I read, if you want to take a look. Probably the best explained allocation, the process out there that you can tell. And uh, just follow me during the, uh, this. It gives you example from Montreal and Houston in that 2012 expansion season. Montreal, how it went down. So it will help you realize how that happens as well. Because it will give you clear example concerning Montreal that you can't remember. So it goes as follow. <sighs> Good luck. We'll, we'll make it through it. The allocation ranking system is used by MLS to determine which team has first priority in being able to sign U.S. national team players who sign with the league after playing abroad or a former MLS player who returns to the league 
after having gone abroad in a transaction that involved a transfer fee. It's also applicable if two teams file a request for the same player on the same day. The allocation rankings are reset every season and are in the reversed order of the previous season's result. Playoff performance is included. So we can assume that in 2012, the Dynamo will 18th in the allocation ranking at the beginning of the year. The expansion, Montreal Impact, get the top spot in the 2012 allocation rankings. It pays to be the new kid on the block in the rankings. If a team uses position in the allocation ranking to acquire a player, they drop to the bottom automatically. In addition, the ranking position can be traded as long as part of the received compensation for the trade is the other team's position in the rankings. Uh, is, are you okay, guys? Are you all set? You haven't fallen down? You haven't fallen asleep yet? You haven't uh, been so confused and needed a drink? No? Okay, so I'll continue. Example, Freddie Udu was the most recent player that went through this process. Yes, the article is dated, but it just follow me here. Bear with me. When a player goes through this system, the option to sign the player starts at the top. A team can pass on the option of signing a player. If so, the next team in the rankings has the opportunity to sign the player. If a team passes, they retain their position in the rankings. The player goes down the allocation ranking list until he is signed by a team. Now, we have no clue what happens if every team passes on a player. I don't think that's ever happened. Why? People, when they come back, probably has an insurance that at least a team or a couple of them will be interested in them so that they will add them. So that's when usually a player comes back to go through the allocation process. They're usually somebody that picks them up. Now that's where it gets complicated as well. In addition to the ranking system, there is a magical and mysterious element of the financial system within MLS called allocation money. This is a resource made available to the club by the league that is in addition to their salary budgets. Teams may be awarded allocation money by the league for the following reasons. Failure to qualify for the MLS Cup playoffs. The transfer of a player to a club outside of MLS for value. Expansion status. Qualification for the CONCACAF Champions League. The MLS Competition Committee determines the allocation amount to be made available to each club each season on a case-by-case -case basis. Just like allocation rankings, the money can be traded by clubs, but allocation money does not have to be sent in return. Allocation money can be used by clubs for the following. To sign players new to MLS. That is, a player who did not play in MLS during the previous season. To re-sign an existing MLS player, subject to leave approval. To buy down a player's salary budget charge below the league maximum of $350,000. In connection with the exercise of an option to purchase a player's right or the extension of a player's contract for the second year provided the player was new to MLS in the immediately prior year. You've likely heard me mention using allocation money to buy down salaries before. This means that a team can use allocation funds to pay off a portion of a player's salary to get them below the league maximums level, thus avoiding having to use a DP slot for the player. For example, if Montreal signs a player X and agree to pay him half a million, they can use 
150000 in allocation money to get his salary down to the league maximum against the cap. Teams can also use allocation money to buy down the cap hit a DP, play, a DP player has on their cap. For example, if the Galaxy only wanted Beckham to cost them 200 grand against their cap, they could have used 150,000 in allocation money to buy down his salary hit. MLS does not release allocation money data, and the teams are not permitted to discuss it openly. The reasoning is to protect the interests of the league and the club during negotiation. All right, that's enough for today. That's uh, MLS 101. Is that in with theory on SB Nation? Thank you. Uh, there's a lottery allocation process. There's a shitload of other things that you can look for yourself. Uh, my mind is already spinning. I know yours is too. So that's about enough. Rick Moranis, thanks for your question. Hopefully, that's answer your question. Uh, we're talking about rumor transferred earlier. Maybe a Simeon Jackson. No, that's not going to happen. Earlier this week, there was a rumor that Simeon Jackson wanted to come back to his country of origin, which is Canada, and play. And he was looking at the Montreal Impact as a potential candidate. Somebody posted a picture of uh, some fella who claims to be a journalist who covers Coventry City Club. Well, in the championship, he uh, was uh, wrong. And I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's true. It doesn't really have any, any basis. There was no smoke to that fire, you could say. Just take silly, crazy rumor that got people talking for nothing. There's other rumors going on, but uh, who cares about rumors, right? Now we got La Racima. Who knows if we're going to get another player? We'll see. We'll see. It's a good answer. But talking about a player right now, let's take a look at the roster that the Montreal Impact have if the training camp would start Today, so we'll start with the midfield, which is probably uh, our most depthful position, where we have the most potential and the most depth, and people are going to be fighting hard to get playing time in the midfield. There's a lot, really, really crowded, and I can't see the season start with everybody there playing with the A team. So we'll go through it, starting with number 21, midfielder, Justin Mapp. He's active. Bernier, number 8. Patrice, 35. Map is 30. Uh, Bernier is active. Felipe, number 7, which is rumored that they have New York is interested in him, which could be possible because the midfield is really crowded. So we'll see what happens. Felipe is uh, now 24. He's active as well. Callum Malice, 25 years old. He's active. Blake Smith, 24 years old. Inactive. Andres Romero, in the midfield again, 25 years old, active. Ignacio Piatti, 29 years old, in the midfield, active. JGL, Jérémy gagnon Lapare, 19 years old, in the midfield again, active. Dilla Duca, midfield, 25 years old, active. LBJ, Louis-Béjean-Gayette, 19 year old, active. Marco Donadal, 31 years old, active. Nigel Rio Cocker, active, 30 years old. Evan Bush, 28. Goalkeeper now with the goalkeepers. He is active. Maxime Crepeau, 20 year old, active. And Eric Kromberg, the new goalkeeper for Montreal Impact, 31, active. Troy Perkins signed with DC. I'm not mistaken, but I could be, but Perkins is gone. And now moving on to a defender or sometimes midfielder, but defender. So as you could tell, midfield is really crowded. A lot of players, when you look at it, a lot of players that are similar. So it will be interesting to see. What uh, Mr. Adam Braz, technical director of the Montreal Impact, does before the beginning of the training camp or before the end of the transfer window. Moving on to the defender, where it gets tricky for the Montreal Impact. Defender, but sometimes midfielder, Maxim Tissot, who in the last couple of weeks got his first cap for Canada. Maxim Tissot, welcome to the club. Well, I mean the club of the caps of Canada. You got what I meant. Not to the club of the impact. It's been there since a long time. You know. Full-time defender, Asun Kamara, 30 years old. He's active. Carl W. We met, 22 years old. He's active. Wandril Wandu Lefebvre, 25 years old. He's active. Adrian Piscu Lopez, 27. Active, but uh, more rehab than active, if you know what I'm saying. But he is working really hard in rehab right now, so who knows. 
Eric Miller, 22. He's active. Christoph, don't be cruel. 27 years old. He's active. Donny Toya, 22 years old. He's active. Defender again. Baki Sumare, 29-year-old. Defender. Active. Victor Cabrera, defender. 21 from Argentina. Active. Santiago Gonzalez, now with a forward. 22-year-old. Inactive, Mr. Special Discovery. Happy Jack McInerney, 22-year-old. He's active. Anthony Jackson Amell, he's listed as active. Underwent surgery with sports hernia. Out for approximately six weeks again. Uh, have a good rehab, buddy. Good luck, AGH. Another uh, hyphenated brother. Three of them with a bunch of impact. The hyphenated brothers. And then uh, Romario Williams, first Round draft pick with the Montreal Impact. He's active, 20-year-old at Jamaica. So, with the effective that the Montreal Impact have right now, let me know your thoughts. The reason I named them all is you can have fresh in your mind all the moves and transfers they did right now and see if it's enough or not. Are the moves that we did good enough or not good enough? Are you expecting more? Are you expect? Were you expecting less? Are you expecting a third DP? Uh, what do you want, people? Let me know at Off The Woodworks or at Kev Laramie. You can always email the show, off the woodworks at hotmail.com. Now, it's time for something different. Not just the Montreal Impact. We're going to preview our first preview in the preview series for the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal that will be held. The second leg will be held March 3rd. At the Big O, Olympic Stadium, Metro Pinaf, Pachuca versus IMFC. The second leg of that quarterfinal of the CONCACAF Champions League. And to celebrate that and to get into the groove and slowly put things in context regarding that game and put our expectation maybe in context as well of who is Pachuca. Well, I decided to do a history of Pachuca, and it's coming right after this glorious And welcome back to the show. Two quick side notes before we start the Pachuca history. The Montreal Impact announced on Monday that Enzo Conchina has been named assistant coach for the first team. He was uh, he will be replacing the assistant coach Nikolaos Kuninakis. Conchina uh, held the same role last year with the DC United in 2014. If you remember, Conchina played for the Montreal Impact a long time ago. Conchina was as well an assistant coach part of a the the coaching system of Napoli in the Serie A uh, while they were in the Champions League in uh, 2010, 2011, 2012. And that time before he joined uh, DC United in 2014, 2013, he was with Inter Milan. So a lot of European experience for Conchina because back to his old stomping ground in a way. And in Montreal, well, he'll breathe down the neck of Frank Globa. So Frankie, no pressure on you, buddy. You have an assistant coach that has his... Former player for the club, former European coaching experience, and Italian. So, no pressure at all for you, buddy. Don't worry. If you don't win, it's not important, right? doesn't matter. You'll get plenty of time. Sure. So, that the other little quick tidbit, as you, may, as you noticed when I mentioned the roster before that great Pachuca song. Well, uh, INF, Mr. Issei Nakajima Ferran, Canadian international that was with... Uh, Montreal Impact since he got traded from TFC for Colin Warner. Well, he's no longer with the club. So again, a trade that left us with nothing. He left us with nothing. He left and we lost Colin Warner for nothing. And Colin Warner is still in Toronto. Getting good things said about him and having uh, probably the time of his life. He's going to play with a lot of good players now. So who won that trade? Yeah. In hindsight. Huh? Looking at that trade last year, in hindsight, who won it? 
not Montreal, if that can help you. So now moving on to Pachuca. Pachuca. Pachuca is the club that Montreal Impact will face March 3rd. Well, the second leg, they'll face him before that. But, all right, the club was founded in November 28th, 1901. A long, long time ago. Club de Fútbol Pachuca is a Mexican professional football team based in Pachuca, Hidalgo. They compete in the Mexican Primer División League, the Liga MX if you prefer, or the Liga whatever the sponsor is now. Founded by British Cornish miners in 1901, it is one of the oldest still existing football clubs in the Americas. After decades of mediocre or poor performances between the first and the second division, Pachuca promoted once again to the Primera División in 1998. Since then, it has been one of the most successful clubs in Mexico, winning five national championships, four CONCACAF Champions Cup, the 2007 Superliga, defeating MLS LA Galaxy and won Copa Sudamericana in 2006. Pachuca, the first CONCACAF team to win a Comebol tournament. Yes. It is also a founding member of the Mexican Primera División. Pachuca is still one of the most successful clubs in the Mexican Primera División. The Amateur Era. Cornish immigrant miners working for the Compañía Real del Monte y Pachuca founded the Pachuca Athletic Club in 1901. Originally, they practiced football only as a pastime during the free time they had while working at the mines owned by William Blamey. Alfred C. Crowley was the man who first introduced the sports to the mine workers, bringing the first footballs and the rules. Other clubs soon were established in surrounding states, including Albinegros de Orizibar, Reforma IC, British Club, and Puebla Asi and Mexico Cricket Club. On July 19, 1907, the Mexica Primera División was founded, with Pachuca as one of the founding members. In the 1908 season, a Mexican-born player, David Islas, appeared for the first time in the ranks of the team. From 1910 to 1912, the Mexican Revolution decimated professional football in Mexico until only three clubs remained. Pachuca being one of them. By 1915, most of the players on the team were Mexican. From 1917 to 1920, Pachuca were league champions under British coach Alfred C. Crowley. Pachuca then went into a hiatus during the 1920-1921 season when most of its players moved to Mexico City. Many years passed by until a second division, Mexican second division team were reassembled. The professional era. In 1967, the team is crowned champion of the Segunda División and is able to move up to the Primera División. The team fares poorly and returns to the Second División in the early 70s. The Tuzos, their nickname, would have to wait 19 years before being able to return to the Primera División in the 92-93 season, where they would struggle to remain and were relegated at the end of the same season. The loss of prestige of the Segunda División causes a new division of play to be created. The Primera División A is created in 1994, later called Liga de Asanso, and the team is a sensation. However, they are unable to crown their efforts and fall to Atletico Celaya in an overtime final. In the 95-96 season, the team becomes champion of the Primera A tournament and is promoted to Primera División. The team struggles yet again and returns to the Primera División A once more. After the Federación de Mexican Football splits the calendar into two half-length tournaments, Pachuca becomes champion of the winter tournament. After defeating Tigrillos in the promotion final once again, Pachuca returns to the Primera División. In the 98-99 season, 
the team breaks its own bad streak by a draw against Atlante in the Estadio Azteca in front of 30,000 people and avoid returning to the Primera División A and for the first time in 30 years remaining in the top league for two consecutive years under coach Javier Aguirre. In the winter tournament of 1999, Pachuca makes history by crowning itself for the first time since the league become professional. They defeat Cruz Azul, where Bernadello plays, in the second leg of the final playoff. Javier Aguirre leads an unexpected team to victory, which culminated with a golden goal scored by Argentinian striker Alejandro Gladia, who used his inner thigh to push the ball into the net. Repeatedly interviewed during quarterfinals and semifinals, Aguirre declared that he never expected to get so far and originally expected to be on vacation by that point. As a result of their conquest, the team is invited to participate in the now defunct Copa Merconorte. With a strong effort from the organization, they managed to keep 85% of the original championship team and by 2001, the Tuzos, again under Javier Aguirre, are finalists in the summer tournament. They fall to Santos Laguna, does that ring a bell? In the Estadio Corona and Torreon, does that ring a bell? Cojahula. During that season, the team lost one of its biggest figures when Pablo Hernán Gómez was killed in a car accident on January 29, 2001. And by the end of 2001, Javier Aguirre is chosen by Femex Foot to coach the Mexican national football team, which found itself at risk of not qualifying for the FIFA World Cup in Korea and Japan, 2002 World Cup. The team selects Alfredo Tena to be the new coach. Tena leads the team to 2001 Winter Tournament Finals where they face UANL Pumas in the Estadio Universario and conquer their second league title. 2001 was also a celebration year for the team. It became the first Mexican professional football team to reach 100 years of existence. The team organized a large number of special events, amongst them the inauguration of a university with a curriculum that revolves entirely around football-related fields, Universidad del Fútbol. In 2003, the team captured yet another championship, again against Pumas, and again in their stadium. This time, the coach was Victor Manuel Vucetich. Does that ring a bell? In its recent history, Pachuca has become a team to be respected in Mexican football and is nicknamed El Equipo de México, Mexico's team. Between 03 and 06, the team devoted more attention to social and marketing issues and failed to make the playoff during two consecutive seasons. President Jesus Martinez, however, vowed that the team would return to be amongst the headliners of the Primera División. As a result, Pachuca won the Closura 06 championship in a final against San Luis after having an exceptional season which saw its finish in first place of the general standings. It was the first time that Pachuca won the championship by playing the return match in its home stadium. Consequently, Pachuca is the first qualifier to the CONCACAF Champions Cup 07 and defeated Guadalajara, Chivas in Mexico, in the final. Pachuca, on May 27th, 07, and again a beautiful date, won their fifth domestic title in a final that was disputed against Club America. In winning this championship, Pachuca has won four trophies in the past 17 months, two domestic exactly one year apart, and two international championships, the Copa Sudamericana and the CONCACAF Champions Cup. In winning, Pachuca will have the honor of defending the Champions Cup title during the 2008 Champions Cup Tournament. On July 31, 2007, Pachuca entered into a club-to-club partnership with the Colorado Rapids Soccer Club in the United States. The alliance, which included a home-and-home annual series between the club, an exchange of best business practices, and the establishment of the Tuzo Soccer Academy at Dick's Sporting Goods Park which was officially launched on October 1st, 07. The move established the Rapids as Pachuca's official partner club in the United States. 
in a move designed for promotion of both on-the-field development, player exchanges, and business incentive for both clubs on either side of the border. A recent title is a Superliga trophy, a tournament between teams from the Mexican League and Major League Soccer from the United States. Pichuca beat the LA Galaxy in penalty kicks 4-3 after tying 1-1 after overtime. The main prize besides the trophy was a million dollars to the winner. With this, Pachuca added its fifth tournament victory in 15 months. The CONCACAF awarded Pachuca the 2007 CONCACAF Team of the Year for their five titles in 15 months. With the victory over Guadalajara, Pachuca claimed a spot in the 2007 FIFA Club World Cup, scheduled for December 7th to December 16, 2007. They were knocked out by their first rival in the opponent, CAF uh, African champion Etoile Portive du Sahel from Tunisia on December 8th. On April 2008, Petruca reclaimed the CONCACAF Champions Club and secured a berth for the 2008 FIFA Club World Cup scheduled for December 2008 in Japan. Recently, Petruca has been developing an outstanding, outstanding sorry, youth program including several young players, most of them under 16. This proposal involves a football training camp during summer. In 2009, Pachuca made it to the Closer 2009 final. They became runner-up after they lost to uh, Pumasunam. On April 2010, Pachuca clinched their fourth CONCACAF Champions Cup title after defeating Cruz Azul and secured their berth for the 2010 FIFA Club World Cup. During the Bicentennial 2010, Pachuca made it to the semifinals with a 2-2 draw at Estadio Hidalgo and then losing 1-0 on Toluca, so losing 3-2 on aggregate score. The Copa Sudamericana, I just want to explain to you what that tournament was. It's a current tournament that was a, between CONCACAF and Comabal in 2007, in 2006. So in December 2006, Pachuca played its first continental championship game ever facing Colo Colo from Chile. The first leg ended in a 1-1 draw, and in the return game, played in Chile, Pachuca won the Copa Sudamericana championship by a score of 2-1. Pachuca's goal for the title were made at first by their symbol, Gabriel Caballero, and in an excellent play, Chitiba gave the ball to Cristian El Chaco Jimenez, who scored the golden goal for their greatest conquer in their history. In doing so, Pachuca became the first Mexican team and CONCACAF, first CONCACAF team to win, and I believe the only one to this day, uh, to win a CONMEBOL championship. In addition, Pachuca is also the only team in the world to have won a club competition in a confederation outside of its own. That just tells you, I was going to say a brief, it wasn't that brief, but that gives you a great history of Pachuca, the club. Pachuca, uh, a lot of history. So our opponent, on top of probably being really good, they really have a, they're a historic team in Mexico and for the last two decades have been El Equipo del Mexico. I think it's time to wrap it up. Until next time on After Woodworks, next week we'll preview more of the quarterfinal game for the CONCACAF Champions League with the impact. We'll look at the trades if there are any and we'll talk about the Montreal Impact. And until then, have a great soccer, everyone.